My name is Aaron. Um, I'm the worship minister here at Venture Church, and I'm normally up here uh, before this time, not really doing this time, um, leading you guys in worship, and uh, I was very blessed to actually be in the service in that time because that's actually the second time this church has been around um, that that's actually happened. I actually haven't been in where you guys are sitting, and man, that was such a cool moment to see this team, all volunteer-driven, um, to lead us in worship. So I'd love to just give them a hand for all they're doing, and thank you guys for serving and, and being Christ-like in that way. Um, this past week, um, I went to a, uh, a week of summer camp. It's a Christian summer camp I go to most of the time every year at Camp Rudolph, and at camp, we do a lot of silly things. We get to some serious stuff, but most of the time we have silly times, fun times, because you're at this week of camp away with your friends and buddies, and you just go do crazy things because that's just what you do. And um, at this particular time during uh, uh, the morning, um, they have this thing they call the Great Bambino Challenge. And if you win this challenge, you get to call, be called the Great Bambino for the rest of the day. If you don't know what the Great Bambino is, please watch the Sandlot and uh, it'll change your life. But uh, the Great Bambino, uh, so once you do this challenge, you get to be called the Great Bambino for the rest of the day. And most of the time, the challenge would look something like this. And uh, so it's a group of guys, and the challenge would be, all right, who has the best pickup line? And then a bunch of guys would come up and try all their different pickup lines. They use stuff like, if you were a pirate, would you put your parrot on this shoulder? or this shoulder, and then you're like, all right, that was really cheesy. But, uh, but then there's other days where it's like best pickup song, and all these guys are getting serious into it on their knees and singing to like this um, non-thing. It's just like, it's really funny just laughing at them in these times. Um, and then uh, best pickup uh, pose was actually my favorite, because here's the deal. Um, I don't think there's like a true pickup pose, but these guys really did believe that, I guess. And so really, it was more entertainment for the staff to watch this moment than for them just to become the great Bambino. Because this is one of the poses, I'm, I'm going to be dead serious. I think this guy was really, like, he was feeling it. He was just in the moment. He's like, man, I'm going to be the great Bambino because of this. i got to turn around and get in the zone. Here we go. This is the pose he does right here. That was it. I'm like, dude, you need some chapstick or something? Like, keep licking all your lips. Like, that's not going to fly. I don't think anybody wants that. Um, but for real, I mean, we, we start with silly stuff and know that the camp is not about how to pick up girls. It's the opposite. The whole theme of the camp was fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And, and though we start with silly times and these, these fun games, um, we get down to some serious stuff and these kids share their lives. We have a lot of team time and team building where they get to share their story and, and how God has impacted them or they're still working on what it means to love God. And at the end of the week, though I'm drained and tired, I get to this moment of, Man, I'm going to miss these kids. I'm going to miss being a part of, of their week, of their life for this one moment, to get away from society for a little bit and, and how crazy the world is and, and come to a time where we can teach them about God and, and who he is. And there's times where, where I'm going to miss them and, and I really love them, but there's also times, man, where I worry about them. You know, when, they're, when, they're, when we're getting down to it and we're sharing uh, our stories and we're swapping where they're from and who their family is and everything, I worry about the homes they're going back to and the situations that they have to be in. And, you know, just this past week, I come home from camp and I hear about the shooting in Dallas and officers being killed. And you're like, man, this is, this is a, a dark world. This is a dark place. I worry about these kids. I worry about my family. I, I worry about my wife. And, and if we're going on a trip, are we going to get there safe? I worry about my mom being a widow. And I, I worry about all these things that go through my head constantly. And, and maybe you're like me. Maybe you worry as well, and maybe it's a, to a different degree. 
Maybe you're in college and you're worrying about education, or maybe you're, you're, you have a family and you're worried about your kids. You know, and to some degree, we all have some kind of worry in our lives, maybe a little bit more and maybe a little bit less. And sometimes we take different approaches to cope with that worry or to deal with that anxiety. Sometimes we take an approach of, of kind of drowning it and, and trying to push it away with, with alcohol or drugs or sex, and we try to just numb those feelings with our, our troubles and problems. And maybe you're dealing with it in, on a serious level, and, and, and maybe you're, you're dealing with generalized anxiety disorder or PTSD, and those are real struggles that people have, and you're going to a counselor or a psychiatrist and those are, those are good things. We, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no counselor. I'm no psychiatrist. I think good Christian counseling is a good thing to seek out to deal with those things. But even though those, those people may have degrees and they may be really good at telling you what feels good and what you, what you should do, we believe at Venture Church that seeking the Bible, seeking Jesus for the answers to life's most important questions is the right way to live. That seeking Jesus first in, in all of our ways and to not worry is the way he wants us to live. And this morning, we're going to do just that. So this morning, uh, as we continue on in the series, Beautiful Contrast, I want to invite you guys to turn to Matthew chapter 6 as we dive into the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And you guys um, should have Bibles under your chairs if you didn't bring one with you today. Um, If you don't have a Bible, own one, please take that one home with you. We'd love for you to have a good and readable Bible um, for you to read and, and study along as we go through this series and today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, um, verse 25 through, through 34, finishing up this chapter. And um, in this series, we call it Beautiful Contrast for this reason, that, that the kingdom of God is, is kind of like an upside-down kingdom. It's a beautiful contrast to what this world offers. And so we're going through uh, what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of Jesus' most famous teachings. And it's found in the book of Matthew. And uh, through this, Patrick last week talked about the uh, passage right before this, which kind of sets up where we're going to be today. And that talked about, um, you cannot serve two masters, for you will love one and hate the other, or you will be devoted to the one and you will despise the other. Another way that, uh, that Jesus says it is that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where our drive in life comes from, our heart is going to be there. And so it sets up perfectly with what we're going to be talking about this morning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, when Jesus talks about worrying and what do you do with it. So let's just start right off Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, the first verse. Let's read it. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life more than food and the body more than clothes? In this whole passage that we're going to be going through today, Jesus says the word worry or worrying about six times in total. And so just to kind of give us a, a good a definition of, of what Jesus is talking about here, the word worry, um, the Webster's Dictionary just defines it as this, to give way to anxiety or unease or to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty, troubles, or uncertainty. I'm going to read that again. Worry is to give way to anxiety or unease or to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty, troubles, or uncertainty. So when Jesus talks about this, he sets it up. Therefore, I tell you, do not dwell on the difficulty of your life, the the uncertainty of your life. Do not worry about these things because I'm trying to provide you something much more than what this worrying is going to accomplish. And most of the time, we would respond in this way. We would say, wait, how am I supposed to be responsible 
by not worrying. Like that's how kind of how, how I am responsible. Like I worry and then I figure stuff out and that's just the routine of what we do. And I think worrying in this way is, is different than planning and being concerned. So those are good things. Planning is a good thing. Not planning is foolish. And being concerned is a good thing. You know, knowing that your oil needs to be changed and planning for it is a good thing. Knowing that your oil needs to be changed and not planning for it is foolish. You follow me? And so being concerned is a good thing as well. If you're not concerned about your kids playing in the middle of traffic, you're a bad parent. Just, that's it. <laughs> if you're not concerned about who's going to win the Super Bowl, you're a bad American. So that's pretty much it. And just a bad person in general. Um, so there's a difference between worrying and dwelling on the uncertainty and planning and concern. See, concern and planning is when you can do something to help a situation, to benefit a situation. So... If your kids are playing in the middle of the road, be concerned for that and get them out of the road. And plan for, for when your oil needs to be changed or a birthday party or whatever that is. Those are good things. Do what you can in those moments. But worrying is when we take something we can't accomplish, we can't do by our own will, by our own strength to help a situation. We don't want to leave it to God, so we dwell on the uncertainty of how it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm going to try to work something out. I, I can't do anything. And worry just... It bogs us down more than we think. I've also heard it say that, uh, that worrying is the illusion of having control when you actually don't. Worry is the illusion of having control when you actually don't. And I think Jesus, as we continue to go through this passage in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus has a better option in life than to worry about everything. He goes on to say this, Matthew chapter 6. After verse 25, he goes, verse 26, right here. So look at the birds of the air. Better way to translate this part would be, uh, let's learn from the birds of the air. So let's learn from them. Let's learn from the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? You see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. King Solomon was a very wise and wealthy king. And in his time, he was probably dressed in the, the finest of clothes. And Jesus is saying here, look, God created everything in existence. He created the, the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. How much more is he going to provide for you? Verse 30 if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Um, that that kind of represents, they used uh, a lot of uh, 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 different grass and, and flowers and stuff to provide fuel for their, um, for their food, baking bread and everything. So, uh, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry about what we shall wear, what, she, what we shall drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need him. So in verse 26, Jesus says, he talks, he talks about the birds, the birds of the air, and how the Father feeds him. See, birds depend on the whims of nature. They depend on, on, on uh, nature itself, the trees and the grass and everything, to provide for themselves. And Jesus is relating this to God providing for uh, the, the birds, providing for their families the Bible is full of places where God provides for his people. There's this one time in Exodus chapter 16, I encourage you to look it up, it's an incredible story, where God says to Moses, I'm going to send bread down from heaven. 
And I want, to, I want you to send your people out and go out and gather your daily bread and bring it back and feast. Now, that's pretty incredible. You're like, what, dude, Jesus, that's so cool. You provide like, all right, send me some tacos and uh, some chips and salsa, and that would be sweet. And uh, please make it like Island's Tacos because it's my favorite tacos. Island sauce all day. Um, gosh, I love it. And they're a dollar. Like, come on. You can't get any better than that. But the times that God provides aren't normally like this. He doesn't normally send tacos from the sky or bread from the sky, but he provides in many different ways. We just have to open our eyes and see that he's actually the one providing. So Jesus is saying here, look, the birds of the air, God created. The grass of the field, God created. But my heavenly father loves you so much more. You are much more valuable to him than those things. Is he not going to provide for you much more? And maybe you're hearing this and you're like, all right, really? Okay, God sent something down from heaven. Like, that just sounds crazy. Maybe you're thinking like, all right, Jesus, I get it. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's that easy. You know, just do not worry. God's just going to provide a raining Chick-fil-A sandwiches down from the sky and just provide this Christian chicken on a Sunday. That would be an amazing miracle on a Sunday because everybody always wants Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. Am I right? Gosh, I want Chick-fil-A right now. Let's just end this and go to Chick-fil-A right now. Gosh. But Jesus gives us purpose. He gives us value. Going back to our main passage, just to reiterate, he says, God feeds the birds of the air, but are we not much more valuable than they? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about our value to God, to Jesus. Out of all the things that God created, out of all the things that God created, mankind is God's prized possession. If we look back in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, First five words say, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. And we see this amazing description of God creating the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon, and the seas and the dry land. And in Genesis 1, 24 through 27, it says this. Let's read together. This could be on the screen if you, if you don't want to turn to it. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. This is great. And God saw that it was good. Then, verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Jesus was there in the beginning. The reason that Jesus can say these things in Matthew is because Jesus was there in the beginning. In the book of John, which is a, a biography much like the book of Matthew, all about Jesus, in the beginning of John, it's, it starts like this. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And on and on, if you keep reading, you learn that the Word is another name for Jesus, saying that Jesus was there at the beginning of creation. So, in verse 26, we see that. We can read that. Let us, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that, this is, this is awesome, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. In verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So are we not much more valuable than they? These livestock, these birds, 
the grass of the field. Yes, God created them, but Jesus and God made us in his image. He delights in us. We are his prized creation. Jesus brings us value. He brings us purpose. And I'm, I'm a musician. Uh, like I was saying before, I, I do the music here normally at Venture, and I love writing music. There's something about it that you just, there's a sense of pride and, and ownership over a song that you write compared to something that somebody else has written. And though I created that, it would be much different than one day I hope to have a kid of my own that me and my wife can, can reproduce. And, and if you see the difference here that, yes, I created the song, it was mine, okay? Nobody else came and, and gave this to me. And yes, I, I, I want to sing that because it's special. But over here, this is, this is my child. This is, this is part of me. This is, this is my DNA in this child. And Jesus is saying here, look at these things. Okay, yes, that God loves him, but, but, but you are part of Jesus. You are part of God. You are his prized possession, and going back to our main passage in Matthew, Jesus is saying, you mean so much more to God. How much more valuable are you to him since we are created in his image? So much more. How much more will he provide for you? So much more. In order to not worry, we need to believe in this so much more promise. We need to believe that, that God has so much more for us than the world has to offer. We need to believe that God has so much more promise for us than our own ways. Jesus continues on by saying this, verse 33. We talked about do not worry. We talked about uh, the birds in the air and how God provides. We have that promise. But here's where it gets really good. This is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. I had it at my wedding. It, uh, to me, it just sums up Christianity in two verses. Verse 33, chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 through 34, it says this. But instead of worrying, instead of being anxious, instead of all these things, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Friends, Christianity is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. In fact, there's a lot of times where it's actually really hard. But if you take this verse and you apply it to your, your daily walk, to the times where you, you have a situation come up or you have a problem come up or you're worrying about something, if you seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, all those worries and troubles are going to be taken care of because he's a good father and he provides for us. We are made in his image. God is going to take care of everything else everything. In a commentary I read about this passage, just trying to study and, and learn more about, um, about uh, what this means, um, there, there's a quote that this writer said that I'd love to share with you guys. He says this, if the logic of Jesus's argument be granted, then worry can only result from a lack of genuine belief in God's goodness and mercy. Let me say that again. If the logic of Jesus's argument be granted, in other words, if we believe that it's true, we believe that his promise will endure, then worry can only result from a lack of genuine belief or faith in the goodness and God's goodness and mercy. And I believe that couldn't be more than true. If we have genuine faith that our God will provide for us, then we would have no reason to worry because we know that our Father will provide when the, when the times come that, that we have uh, uh, troubles and tribulation. 
before, as we were reading, Jesus relates worry to having little faith. He says, you of little faith, are you not much more valuable than they? I've heard faith explained in this way. You have this ball here. It's a volleyball. And right here are your, are your troubles, your worries, your doubts, your fears, your hang-ups, um, even the good things. This is, this is all, all it right here. This is faith. And many times uh, we just kind of juggle it, keep it ourselves, um, try to maybe throw it away. <laughs> Say, oh, I'll forget about that. It's, it's going to be okay. But it comes right back. Sometimes because we didn't take care of it at the beginning, it comes back as two volleyballs or three or four. Sometimes we, uh, we pass it around, try to share it. Maybe I could just go to this person and come help me out. So then you talk back and forth about whose volleyball is worse and who's flat and bigger or whatever, you know, whatever that is. And you, maybe you stick it up your shirt or you, you know, go around your waist or whatever it is. You, you try to dodge what's going on in your life, but at the end of the day, you're still left holding this weight. You're still left holding your worries, your doubts, and your fears. And Jesus is saying this. He's saying, have faith in me. Take this right here. Faith in another way is belief plus action. Right now in this moment, we start by faith, start the volley of faith. And so you believe and you act upon that promise. You believe and you say, all right, God, I I believe that you are going to do so much more with this worry and this doubt and these fears than I can do by my own self. This is what you do. You volley it over. You send it. And these worries and these troubles come over to this side. And a lot of times in this situation, what we'll do is while the ball is over here, we're left over here feeling insecure, feeling out of control. We're worrying, God, where are you? God, I'm struggling here. Like, I thought I gave you this. I thought you're, you're supposed to make me feel better. God, why are you not providing for me right now? And God is over here with the troubles and worries, and he's saying, just, just trust me. Be patient. Seek first my kingdom And this is where a lot of times we fall away from faith. We fall away from following God because it's not on our own time. But here's what we have to understand. It's simple, but it's not easy, and here's why. Because God is God, and we're not. God is God, and we're not. And he has his way of doing things, and we have got to come to the understanding that his way is better than our own ways. And so in this moment, when he has our troubles, and he has our doubts and fears, we should be over here celebrating and praising, saying, God, thank you, because I don't have this anymore. It's not on me to fulfill this. It's not on me to provide for my family every day. It's not on me to fulfill the needs of everybody around me because, God, you fill me up. God, you are my providence. God, you are my good, good father. God, you are my savior. And so over here, God deals with this. He takes the worry. He takes the pain. He takes the suffering. He takes everything. And this is what the beautiful thing that happens here in this moment with this volley of faith. He takes this and he gives it back. But it's not trouble. It's not worry, it's not shame, it's not pain, it's not hurting, it's not hang-ups. This is perseverance. This is perspective. This is an outlook on life to say that God is taking care of me and I don't need to worry about a thing. Yes, I can plan. Yes, I can be concerned about my, my children's lives. Yes, I can be concerned about the things of this world, but don't let it get to the point that you are provi- trying to dwell on your own self, on the uncertainty of your own life to provide for your needs. So start that volley of faith and give it to God, and he's gonna pass it back as this blessing, as this growth, as this strength. 
in the book of James. James is the, is the half-brother of Jesus, and he writes this, and he says, Consider it joy, my, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. For it builds perseverance, it builds character. See, God is trying to build us up. A good father is not going to, is not going to hinder his child from doing anything. He's not going to just hold him in this bubble and not let him accomplish anything. No, he's going to let those times happen where maybe you get knocked down a little bit, but it builds character. Because you get back up and you say, all right, God, you brought me through this. Christianity is simple, but it's not easy. We need to learn to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to us. Maybe you're here and, uh, and Christianity is new to you. You don't know what to do with this. This is in your hands and at times it just seems like um, nobody's around playing the game with you. I want to encourage you with this. If this is your first time here, first time seeking out Jesus or just new to the Christian faith, please come back next week. Come back next week and continue to learn about the fulfilling promises of Jesus. Come back and learn about we have, that we serve a good, good Father. Come back and, and hang out with us. We, we say here that it's a safe place to bring your hurts and hang-ups. It's a safe place to ask questions. It's a safe place to, to be uncertain. Because the truth is, is that we're all in this boat together. As a church, that's what the church is. It's community. It's family. So please be a part of our family. Be a part of what we're doing here of seeking God with our lives and seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first. And I encourage you with this. If that's, if that's where you're at, you're in the seeking part of seeking his kingdom, that first word, I want to encourage you with this. Make it a priority to come every Sunday. Not for venture's sake, not for somebody else's sake, but for your heart to grow closer to God. Because as you continue to make it a priority and a routine, say, all right, Sunday it's my Sabbath day. It's my day to go and seek the Lord in community. It's a time of worship with other people. It's a time to learn. Make it a priority to seek him in that way. It's a great way to seek God's kingdom first is through that. And maybe you're here and, and the seek part is okay. You, you're, good, you're good at the volley. And, and the, the trouble comes from, from the first part. Seeking God's kingdom first. Here's my challenge to you. My challenge would be that when you start your day, to spend time in devotion with God with purpose. So you wake up. Maybe you have to get your kids ready for school, or you have to get ready for work, whatever that looks like for you. Make it a priority. Plan to wake up early, 20 minutes early, 15, 10 minutes early, and take time and spend in devotion with God. Seeking his kingdom first will start giving us this, this confidence in our king. We'll start We'll start living in that so much more promise. And I want to encourage you with that to take that to heart in every day when you start, when you wake up, to seek his kingdom first. Seek his righteousness first through, through prayer or reading the Bible. Read, read the passage we just read this week or even read next week's passage. We're going to be in chapter 7. We're going through the whole Sermon on the Mount. Read all the red letters. Actually, just do that in the whole Bible. Read all the red letters. It'll change your life. Um, if you don't know, every red letter most of the time is, is words of Jesus, and those are always good ones to read and apply to your life. So I encourage you to do that. First thing when you, when you wake up in the morning, to seek the kingdom of God, make it a priority to make him a part of your life, and to start that volley of faith. Lastly, maybe you've been a, a, you consider yourself a strong Christian. Now the volley of faith is, is a normal thing for you, and, and, and that's a part of your life. 
You know how to give God worries. You know how to lay it at the foot of the cross. It's another way you say it. You know, Jesus is so special for this reason. Unlike any other faith in this world, Jesus is the only one that is alive to this day and has defeated death. The only one. He's the only one that's true. He's the only one that was and is to come. And so his promises will endure. His promises are true. And we can find, we can find truth within the Bible but the, the best thing for the strong Christians, for the people who are, who are good at faith and sharing that, here's my encouragement, encouragement to you, is to be a light in the community, in this community, in these people. It's a safe place to bring your hurts and hang-ups, and the truth is, is that most of the time, it brings a lot of people who are hurting and who have troubles and have pain and don't know what to do with it. They look here, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm just struggling. I'm trying everything to provide for my family. I'm trying to pay all the bills I can, work as many hours as I can, and still I'm coming up short. Still our, our marriage is leading towards divorce, and still my kids are disrespecting me. What do I do? And the lights in the community, the strong Christians, the people who are seeking God's kingdom first, are going to be a good light to the people who don't know what to do with this. And you come alongside them. This is what the church is. We come alongside and we play the game together. Instead of me dealing with it myself, somebody else from our church could say, hey, let me help you serve that. Let me help you take care of that because I know the good way. I know how to seek God's kingdom first. Just follow me. Not that I'm perfect. Not that I know what's going on. Say, I'm just an advocate of Jesus because truly that's all I am. I don't have a degree in this. Um, I have two years of college, no degree to show for it. Um, and, uh, and I'm just... Man, I'm just blessed to be, be a part of this community and have the opportunity to share and, and worship and singing, but also just sharing what God's done in my life. And in many times in my life, I have been the one holding the volleyball in these troubles. Uh, many of you have probably heard that my father passed away when I was 12, and that caused a, a kind of cycle of, of despair in my life, just kind of seeking different things. And the moment that I, I started seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness, it, it was like something clicked. It's like this moment of like, wow, that's what you mean. That's what, that's what you're promising? Like, I, I thought I was doing it right, or I thought that, like, the world was true. I thought that, that parting was the way to do it, so I just, I just did it, and I coped with it for a night, but in the morning, you wake up feeling terrible, and the problems are still there. And as I continued to, to wrestle with this passage, this is one of my favorite passages for a reason because I come back to it and I repent because I don't always seek the kingdom of God first. I don't always put him first and every time that happens, I'm left with this weight. But every time that I start that volley and I believe and I act upon God's promises, I say, all right, God, you're good. Though I'm not good, though sometimes I fail Sometimes I don't know how to trust you. I'm just going to give you this thing. Say it in prayer. Believe it in your heart. And in that moment, God will build confidence. He'll build trust. He'll build purity. He'll build good relationships, good character, build good reputation. Instead of being anxious, instead of holding all of our worries by ourselves, instead of dwelling on the uncertainties of the things we can't do, we need to start the volley of faith. And give him the ball. When you stop worrying about life and you start making God the center of every moment by seeking him first, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, you'll start to feel the freedom and the peace that God has promised for us. 
We need to be a people that live in the so much more promise. We need to understand our value to the King of Kings. We need to understand what we mean to God, his prized possession, his people made in his image. I want to encourage us to have faith and to start the volley. It's your serve. Let's pray. God, I, uh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to share your perfect words, but I'm thankful that you give me the opportunity to. Um, God, I, I ask that you please forgive me of the times where I don't seek your kingdom first. God, I ask that, that you help me to, to open up my eyes like we sang this morning to open up our eyes, surround us with your light because your love endures forever. God, I pray that you surround us with light, that this community is a light to this world, to this city, to the dark places, to the times where hope is not found. God, I pray we can bring hope to this world through your kingdom and through your righteousness. God, I pray over our church, these people in, the, in this room right now, as the world is offering many different ways to cope with our worries and hang-ups and anxiety and problems and troubles, I pray that they will not be tempting enough for us to fall for those tricks. That we can understand that you are king and that you have a life worth living for.